Chapter 30, Medjugorje There's a surprise waiting for you at the top, Alberto said, stopping at the base of the steep hill that was Podbordo, Apparition Hill. He pointed out the building where he slept his first nights in Medjugorje, and the small porcelain figure of Mary perched on the second floor. Sentry, he smiled, before adding, This is an experience you need to have alone. I'll wait for you here. The stones going up the hill were large and uneven, almost discouraging attempts to climb them. But their shine stood testament to the many pilgrims who had indeed taken no steps. I added my steps, climbing slowly, meditatively up the hill. A few pilgrims passed me, some barefoot. Others climbed on their knees, passionately mouthing prayers or clasping a rosary. Not even at the Vatican did I witness such fervor and devotion. The higher I climbed, the more that my vision turned inwards. I saw only my path, the steps I needed to take. Everyone else receded into the background, and I arrived at a large clearing, aware only of my feelings of anticipation. A large white statue of a robed woman stood in the distance, its back to me, looking out over the valley below. I knew it was Mary, standing on the site where she appeared, shivering from the cold, or perhaps the anticipation. I moved closer and finally faced her. She gazed upon me, her smile serene and loving. One hand was poised over her heart, the other extended to the world and offering. To my astonishment, I saw that she stood inside a white marble, six-sided star. My star, the star that was guiding me to Jerusalem. This must be the surprise that Alberto promised, I thought, smiling at this message from the heavens, that I was indeed on this path of peace, well accompanied, and that love, with all that Mary represents, was at its heart. I lingered in that feeling of certainty, filling myself with it, and knowing that I would need it in my moments of doubt and weakness. I eventually made my way to the edge of the clearing where, among some trees, I found a stone and sat down. I reached for my diary and opened to the list of people who had asked me to pray for them here. I had started this list in Rome when a nun asked me to pray for her. Dear God, I'm not sure what they are asking of you, but please hear their prayers. Bless them and protect them on their life journey. I spoke the name of each person aloud, with each name closing an invisible circle of trust. I went to the start of my diary and day by day added a prayer for those who had helped us on our way. Certain people, such as Fraz Ante and Drago, Micho, and many more stood out. For them, my gratitude and love overflowed. Thank you for bringing these angels into my life and for showing me the face of goodness. I am forever enriched for having met them. They are your instruments of peace on this earth, the creators of the world we wish to see. 
bless them and guide them always on their journey of peace and love. At the names of those who rejected us, I paused. I wanted to pass them by, to not dwell on the hurt they had caused. But the more that I reflected, the more that I realized that they too were angels along my path, and no less a gift than those who had embraced us. Their hard attitudes and inflexibilities showed me mine, as did their fears and judgments. I wanted to believe that I would act differently if our roles were reversed, but now I wasn't so certain. I saw my frailties, and in consequence, saw theirs. For the first time, I felt stirrings of compassion towards them. Inexplicably, memories of those who had hurt or betrayed me in the past also emerged, their cruelties playing out in my mind taunting me back to judgment and rigid condemnation. I wanted to remain the victim, to hold on to the feeling of injustice and righteousness. But in that holy moment, something inside of me lifted, and I felt a gratifying peace that had long eluded me. Thank you for coming into my life, I silently prayed. I have learned much from you about myself. You have no power over me. I now release you from my heart and bless you. I closed my diary, and with it, an important part of my pilgrimage. Aside from going to church, there was frustratingly little else to do in Medjugorje. I began to appreciate how bored Alberto must have been and the enormous sacrifice he had made waiting for me. People's lives revolved around prayer and the messages from Mary. I was invited to attend Mass and pray the Rosary at least twice a day. I accepted in the beginning, wanting to respect their beliefs, but stopped when I felt it become an expectation, not an invitation. I felt a continuous pressure to conform to their beliefs and their rituals and was suffocating under the consistent and constant barrage. This is the most conservative place I have ever seen. I erupted in frustration at Alberto one day. How did you survive? It wasn't easy, he confessed. And I can tell you that I almost lost myself here. I can see how it can happen, I replied. It's insidious. I didn't really see it happening until it was almost too late, Alberto went on, and then stopped. I sensed something important had happened, and so waited for him to reveal whatever was in his heart. I was waiting for you in my abandoned building near Podbordo, he continued, but providentially met another Spanish-speaking man named Gerardo, who invited me to stay at his home. We became instant friends, but I quickly realized that he, like everyone in this impoverished area, had little money and I had none to offer him. Walking around one day, I started receiving signs which led me to a Catholic community. I introduced myself and our walk, not knowing what to expect from this encounter. They received me kindly and asked about my spiritual beliefs. I expressed them briefly, but sincerely. They listened respectfully and with interest, but I saw that it was difficult for them to understand some of my open views 
especially my belief, that Jesus was not the only Son of God. Yet despite our differences, they invited me to have lunch with them every day and to spend as much time as I wanted with the community. I thought it an ideal way to be less of a burden to my friend Gerardo. The gardens were also beautiful and the setting peaceful and idyllic for meditation and reflection. So I accepted their invitation, feeling happy to be part of their small paradise. The kind members invited me to join in their songs, in their rituals and their prayers of the rosary. I did, but quickly realized that many of the ideas they expressed differed greatly from my view of God love. Their prayers were filled with devotion and kindness, but also with self-humiliation, sin, fear of the devil, even fear of God. However, I continued participating, believing I was strong enough emotionally and spiritually to perform their rituals without them affecting me. The days passed. We spoke no more of my spiritual beliefs or even my pilgrimage. Coincidentally, saying at the community was a group of young men contemplating becoming members. I thought that perhaps the community was trying to protect them from my ideas, and so I kept my views to myself, especially the conflictive ones. Ever so subtly, though, I found myself trying to please them. I prayed and sang with them whenever they asked, even when I didn't feel like it. I bent my knee every time I walked in and out of their chapel, trying to respect their beliefs. I felt the need to somehow repay what they were giving me, and so I tended the garden and did various handyman tasks. I did the same with other people in the village who, in one way or another, were helping me. My daily existence became a payback to others. I was feeling miserably unhappy and wanted to leave, but I didn't know where you were or when you would arrive. Your will be done, I repeated over and again. I can endure this. I know you have brought me here for a reason. I tried to focus on the community's positive aspects, such as their loving devotion to God, their faith in providence, their camaraderie, their sweetness, their simplicity of life. I fought to ignore their prostrations before God, their constant self-blame and self-proclamations as sinners unworthy of God, their asking for protection from the temptations of the devil. I missed my authenticity, but I wanted them to feel that they could trust me, and so continued the lie. My confidence and my courage began to waver. I felt weak and emotionally sensitive and worried about what people thought of me, not only in the community, but in general. I felt lost, unsure of what I believed, and no longer recognized the confident pilgrim who had arrived in Medjugorje. I blamed myself for feeling weak and fought to change. But the harder I fought, the weaker I felt. I begged the universe to end this pretext always ending with my new mantra, your will be done. One day, while fervently praying for a sign, I saw some horses roaming free, but then noticed a lone horse grazing quietly by itself, a short rope secured around its neck so it wouldn't stray too far. I immediately understood the message. I was chaining myself to this community for security, 
for a measly plate of food. I wanted to leave right away, but still hadn't heard from you. That afternoon, I lamented my case to Gerardo, who firmly reproached me and said, You have forgotten why you are here. You have forgotten your purpose, your mission. What you're doing is very important. Stop feeling obligated. Stop feeling unworthy of asking for help. Do what you came here to do. The following morning, instead of going to the community, I headed to Cross Mountain, another pilgrimage hill here, alone. I stood at the first station of the cross, where a large plaque showed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with a quote saying, Your will be done. It had always inspired me, but that morning I felt something stir within me, a certainty that I hadn't felt in a long time. No, I declared, no longer will I delegate everything to you. Never again will I say your will be done, because I now know that your will is precisely that my will be done. I will no longer use those words for fear of making a mistake. You and I are one. You support any choice I make. The only way to know if my will benefits me or others is through experience. That's the only way I can grow. That's your highest will for me, that my will be done. I wasn't sure that I agreed with Alberto, but didn't interrupt him. I knew I was the creator of my reality, but also believed that there was a loving wisdom guiding me, and that listening to it benefited my soul's growth. I now wondered where the balance lay. Does my life's purpose lie in surrendering it to a higher will, or taking full charge of it and creating the life I want? That same day I decided to fast until you arrived, he continued, only eating bread and drinking water to discipline myself and release my dependency on others. I immediately felt free. I resolved to wait one more week for you, or to receive a clear sign before continuing alone. I also recommitted to speaking my truth under all conditions. I continued participating in the community rituals, but stopped praying their words. I stopped kneeling and prostrating myself. More and more, I refused to go to church, citing other commitments or my need to pray alone. Nobody asked, and I offered no explanations, but I saw them becoming more and more uncomfortable. One night, the acting superior asked to speak with me. I knew what was coming, but felt sad nonetheless. Her reasons for asking me to leave were feeble, and I could see that she was nervous. I told her I wished we would have had the opportunity to really know each other, and then walked away, feeling melancholy but grateful for my experiences there. You and I, together once again, I whispered affectionately. The following morning, Gerardo burst into the house announcing that you were arriving at noon. That is amazing, I exclaimed. You know, I came to Medjugorje expecting to have an intimate encounter with God, he said. I did, but not in the way I expected. God was and always will be in me. Medjugorje forced me to look at myself, to trust in my path and my choices, and to take the reins of my destiny. That is Medjugorje's greatest gift to me, one that I will forever be grateful for.